Right, well, morning, Patrick and Cheryl. Um, this morning, we are looking at the power of God. So this is number 13 in our um, Doctrine of God series. And speaking about the power of God, you may be thinking, well, you, you've come to, to some uh, mega church um, this morning. Um, with a display of, of signs and wonders and things like that. Thankfully, we have all the signs and wonders we need right here in the scriptures. Um, so God's power, the power of God. The power of God obviously is, is one of his attributes. And we would call this in, um, as well his omnipotence. Okay, Job 9.19 says if it is a contest of strength behold he is mighty if it is a matter of justice who can summon him behold he is mighty he is strong he is powerful or psalm 115 verse 3 this is a great memory verse our god is in the heavens he does all that he pleases. Yeah, if anyone has any doubts regarding the sovereignty of God, that verse should dispel it. It's telling us that God is all-powerful and he does whatever he wants. And that is essentially what we understand the sovereignty of God to mean. So in God's very name, his power is revealed. And one of his names in the Old Testament in Hebrew is El Shaddai. And El Shaddai means the God Almighty. Okay, he's the one who's all-powerful. Now, this name was, was used for the first time with Abraham in Genesis 17, verse 1. And it comes from the Hebrew um, word Shaddad, which means powerful. So it, it's pointing to... God who possesses all power in heaven and on earth. And it shows the, the greatness of God on one hand, but also it does not portray God as someone to be absolutely terrified of in the negative sense, as it also reveals him as a source of blessing and comfort. So any questions so far before we proceed? Okay, well, let's press on here. Let's look at some implications of the power of God. Well, first implication is that God has a sovereign right and authority over us. Okay, so God can do what he wants with those whom he has created. Okay, we may think that we're independent, and we may think that we we can do exactly what we like, that we like, like in this life, that we're the masters of our own destinies. But actually, God, whether we like it or not, God has power and authority over us. And this is why Acts 17, 28 says, In Him we live and move and have our being. So on the one hand, we, we do as, as Christians, like the Westminster 
uh, Confession of Faith, chapter 3, it, it, it tells that we, we do have free will. Okay, but that free will exists in the sovereignty of God. So ultimately, God is sovereign. It's, we've got to hold these two truths together, the sovereignty of God and our free will existing in that sovereignty. But ultimately, God is power, powerful over us. He is sovereign over us. He determines all our days and our plans. And there's not one thing that unfolds in this universe um, that is not ordained by God, ultimately. Either good or evil, yet he's not the author of evil. <laughs> it's just the, how God has revealed it. And it, we, it's, a, it's not that we meant to try and resolve every detail of it. But the point of all this is that he, he has power and authority over us by virtue of being our Lord. Daniel 4.35 says, For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay to his hand or say to him, What have you done? I mean, that's a remarkable two verses there. He does according to his will in heaven and among all the inhabitants of the earth. God is never sitting in heaven, looking down on earth, raising up his hand, saying, oh, no, what have these people got up to? Oh, no, what has happened now on earth? He's sovereign over it all. He ordains all things that come to pass. He's all powerful. Daniel 2 21. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So, again, this is just hammering home that absolutely nothing in this world happens by chance. Hey, neither has God left us to get on with our own devices on this life independently of him. He's the all-powerful ruler of this world. He, he, he's the one who rules over the changing of the seasons. He is the one who raises up presidents and kings. And he's the one who, who ultimately gets them deposed and brings downfall to them. God brings all these details on earth and in world politics and in every circumstance on earth he brings it to pass to ultimately fulfill his purposes and so this should actually give us incredible comfort okay we should be able to rest in this magnificent truth that actually we can look around us and see the world as it is and think oh hang Things are falling apart. There's wars and rumors of wars and our government doesn't know what's doing and everything. You think, oh no, what? it feels so out of control. But actually, if we have a high view of the sovereignty of God, things are just fine. Because as Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, the government is upon his shoulders. 
He is working out his perfect plan. We can't see the bigger picture. In the sovereignty of God, it's all under his control. And it will ultimately all work out for his glory. Any questions on that one? Okay, so second implication, as God has authority, so he has infinite power. Okay, so God's power is demonstrated in his creation. So he, we know that God, God spoke a word and he brought everything into being. Psalm, Psalm 33 verse 9, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. So just the, the act of creation shows us God's infinite power and that all he needed, needs to do is he, he speaks a word and all that he desires come into being. The starry hosts, the galaxies, universes, oceans, mountains. He brought it all into being from nothing through the power of his word. And that alone should tell us that absolutely nothing is impossible for God and nothing can thwart his will. He is going to achieve all his purposes perfectly. Okay, so his power first he has demonstrated in creation. His power is also demonstrated in raising the dead to life. So Romans 8, 11 says this profound truth that the same power that raised Christ from the grave also raises a dead sinner to life. Now, just think about this. Greater power is needed to convert a sinner than to create the universe. Why would we say this? Well, when God created the universe, there was nothing to oppose him. There was nothing to hinder him. But when he converts a sinner... There's all sorts of opposition that God has met with. Satan opposes him. The sinner's heart is as hard as a rock, just as ours were before we were in Christ. It is dead towards the Lord. It is set against him. It's not that we were neutral before we were in Christ. We were, as the Bible says, we were his enemies. We're actively opposing him. We weren't seeking him, as Romans 3.11 says. So the creation of the world, Psalm 8 verse 3 says, was the work of God's fingers. But Luke 1 verse 51 says the conversion of a sinner is the work of God's arm. Interesting. God just threw the couple of hundred billion stars and planets into place just with, with you know his fingers obviously it's anthropomorphic language but with the conversion of a sinner he had to use his arm his mighty hand and outstretched arms delivered and saved 
the Israelites from Egypt. Likewise, he saves us like that. Okay, so God's power has to perform many miracles in conversion. That's why when someone comes to Christ, that is a miracle. We don't come to Christ on our own accord. God really has to work by the power of his spirit to open blind eyes, to raise the dead, to turn a heart that is calloused and as, as hard as a rock into a tender, soft, new heart has to open deaf ears, give a heart of flesh. Only the sovereign power of God can do that. It's not something that comes about from our own accord. We can't. (laughs) Or we can't persuade somebody else to become a Christian. Yes, we can certainly preach the gospel to them, but it's ultimately God who saves, who does that miracle of regeneration. Just think of Paul. This guy was absolutely set against God. Zealously persecuting the church. He's killing Christians. Now, humanly speaking, somebody like that doesn't just turn around. If you have given your whole life to that mission, in Paul's case, the destruction of the church took a miracle, a literal miracle for him to be turned around. And it was the power of God that transformed him, that opened his blind eyes, that softened his hard heart, that raised him from death to life. And so it is with every single one of us. Questions? Okay, so let's carry on then. So while God is all-powerful, there are some things that God is unable to do. What would those things be? Yes, Malcolm. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. He can't contradict himself. Yeah, he's the God of truth. He can't sin. He can't lie. So these things are not denying his power. They, they're affirming that he's true to himself. Is this your gotcha question? <laughs> well, this is the, the mystery of, of God's redemptive purposes. He elects some and he chooses to leave others to um, the consequences of their sin. The reprobates. He doesn't save everyone. That's in the, the, the mystery of God's plan of redemption and that's what Romans 9 tells us about there's certain things we we don't know why God does what he does although we do know is that in by his grace he mercifully has chosen to save his elect he didn't need to he didn't need to save one single person on earth because by his justice we all deserved hell because of our sins but in his mercy and grace and love he has redeemed a remnant 
and his prerogative as God, absolutely entitled to do because he's God. He doesn't need to give us a reason why he didn't save everyone else. But thank God he saved his people. And it's the same with Satan as, as well. Ultimately, all these things work for his glory. That's why, I mean, it's in Romans 9. Why does God use some, for no, some of the clay for noble use while other of the, the clay he, he destroys? Because God's going to be glorified through all that. God is even glorified through the destruction of the wicked and ultimately through the destruction of Satan. So it all works out in the bigger plan of redemptive history. Okay, so just some last implications. So what? How does God's power affect us? Well, if the truth that God is all-powerful, that He's omnipotent, what immediately what should our first reaction be? Wow. Yeah, fear God. Yeah. <laughs> Luke 12, verse 5. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Okay, secondly, have faith in his power to do the impossible. Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven: Is anything too hard for God? The thing is, we often have such a, a, a small view of what God can do. And understanding more of the power of God, it should shake us up out of our unbelief. It should cause us to trust God to do great things, to pray for big things. It's a conversion of, of friends and, and, and family, even the, the hardest of hearts. The, the growth of, of his church, that he would raise up godly leaders, that he would withhold evil in, in our land. We shouldn't be, able, we can get so focused on our, our, our immediate needs. Oh, Lord, bless me, help me get through this month. <laughs> and not think that God can work in. In greater ways and in bigger things. Welcome, Jonica. And then last implication, God's power works for the good of his people. So 1 Chronicles 17.24, the Lord of hosts is the God of Israel, even a God to Israel. So the greatness of God's power it should be of, of great support and comfort to us. His power helps us when we are battling with sin. He's, he's not far from us to strengthen us when we are weak and when we are in the midst of temptation and facing all sorts of, of evil around us. His power strengthens us to persevere in our lives and his power prevents us from falling away from Christ. Hey, that's why Romans 8 says there's nothing, heaven and on earth, 
powers, angels or powers, height nor depth, etc., etc., that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. By the power of God, He will preserve us till the end. He will keep us, He will keep true regenerate believers from falling away. He will help us endure through all sorts of challenges, through temptations, through hardships, through doubts. Not saying we we won't have our ups and downs on this side of eternity, but through it all, God promises by his power to strengthen us in all those times and be there with us and bring us to the day of Christ when we will be raised up in glory in our new resurrection bodies to be with him for all of Christ. All, all of eternity. So the, the powerful hand of God, the good news if we're in Christ now, is that he promises us, it's part of his covenant promises, that his powerful hand will never let us go, even in our weakness. That's why he says, I, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And God's power sustains us by his hand of, of providence. So in our frailty, in our poverty, in our weakness and need, God provides for us through his power. Whether it's clothing us, whether it's daily bread on the table, whether whether it is family, whether it's a roof over our head, all these things ultimately come to us by the power of God expressed through his providential hand. Okay, And then God's power ensures us of the truth of the resurrection. Are we all going to die one day and our bodies are either going to be eaten by worms six feet under, okay, or they're going to be burnt or whatever the case may be. But in Christ, God by his power will raise us up and he will recreate a new body just for us, just as he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Only an almighty, omnipotent God can take the ashes and constitute a brand new resurrection body that is fit for all eternity. Only God can do that by his power. And then lastly, God's power strengthens us as his church. So it's easy to get discouraged as God's church, whether it's through apathy, through people not interested in the word of God, um, or getting discouraged on how small the church is, or how we face ridicule from outsiders, from family and friends, um, from our own frailties and, and, and sins. And you think, you know, is this the church? This, what are we looking at around the, really the bride of Christ? But the promise from God is that because of his power, he will always preserve his little flock throughout all generations. And we can see that's what he has done if we look, if we look at church history especially. So for us, it's an, encouraged that, it's an encouragement to us that we should never get overwhelmed. Because we know God's not going to abandon us. He is never going to let Satan's power overwhelm us. He is infinitely more powerful than the evil one. We must remember that. He's a created being where God is uncreated, all-powerful. 
And we hold fast to God's promise that he, Christ, will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. Any questions? Final questions? Yes, any. Absolutely. Okay, all good? Okay, let's pray.